Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Get set here. How y'all doing? Good? Good, good. Well, I'm excited to share with you today because uh, God has been sharing with me lots. He is my portion. That's our theme. And our verse is in Luke 38 to 42, mainly focusing on 42. And what I'm sharing today, you've probably already heard. If you, if you are uh, come to our church, if you're part of our family, a faith family church, you've heard it time and again from Pastor Heidi, from Pastor Sean. It's uh, nothing new, what I'm going to share. But I'm asking you to promise me you're not going to shut down. You know, this is going to be a fresh word from the Lord. So don't shut down on me. I don't care how many times you've heard it, how familiar it is to you. Don't shut down. Just with an open heart, receive what the Lord has for you today. Okay? Promise? Pastor Joy has told us many times from worship, repetition, repetition, repetition. You know, and... I need it more than once. Sometimes I even need a two-by-four over the head to get it. Well, you know what I mean? So I need more than three repetitions a lot of times. But I need it to settle things in my heart, not just to give mental assent to it. Because how many times do you do that? Yeah. Amen. Preach it. Preach it, Pastor Sean. Yeah. Amen. But I got to hear it and hear it to get it from my head and just saying, yes, Amen to my heart, to where I can apply it in my life and walk it out in my life. So pray, pray with me, will you? Father God, I bow low in your presence, King of the universe, the great I am. Father, your vessel, speak through me. Lord, may it be your word that comes forth. May it be your heart that they hear, Lord. May it be your love that they sense and embraces them, Father. May it be the reign of the Holy Spirit that ministers to every need in this place. We give you all the glory, Lord. Amen. So I'm going to uh, talk about the theme of our weekend. He is, our, he is my portion. And I tend to dig in when the Lord uh, gives me an assignment. And I like to dig into the culture of the day. I like to dig into the original meaning of the words. And so bear with me. You'll get a little cultural lesson. Pastor Heidi uh, touched on it last night a little bit, but I'll probably go a little bit more in depth. And uh, the Hebrew word for portion in Psalms and Lamentations means allotment, inheritance, Oh, I'll take the Lord's inheritance, right? It also comes from a similar word in the Hebrew to be smooth, like smooth stones for casting lots. I don't get that part. Maybe you don't either. It's an individual's part or share of something such as a shared, share received by gift or inheritance. God's got so many gifts for us. Our inheritance in the Lord is uncomprehensible portion the meaning of the Lord is my portion that which is divided off or separated a part of the whole but we have the whole not separated off and apart we have all of him a part considered by itself though not actually cut off or separated from the whole so that's where we have to dig in not separated from the whole it's all of him, a part assigned to us, freely given, a share from the, from the creator of the universe, God Almighty. In Psalm 16:5, this is a passion translation. I kind of camp there for a year, about every year I try to read through the Bible in a different translation, and it, this year it's been the passion in, in much of what I've re been reading. But listen to this. Psalm 16.5, the Passion Translation. Lord, I have chosen you alone as my inheritance. 
You are my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. He is my portion. I leave my destiny in your hands. David had many psalms that talk about the Lord being his portion. Psalms 25, 13, Passion Translation again. <laughs> then prosperity and favor will be my portion and my descendants will inherit all that is good. I'm a descendant. I'm going to inherit all that is good. Favor and prosperity. My portion says so. Right? Says so in his word. Psalms 37, 40 in the Passion again. Because of their faith in him, their daily portion will be the Father's help. He promises his help daily and deliverance from evil daily. This is true for all who turn to him and hide themselves in him. Does his part? Are we doing our part? Hiding in him? Okay, Psalms 73, 26. This one is so precious to me. And it says, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God, God is my strength. God is my strength. The strength of my heart and my portion forever. Though my heart faileth, though my flesh faileth, God is my strength. Psalms 119.57 in the King James says, Thou art my portion. I have said that I would keep thy words. Again, David in Psalms 142.5, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge. Thou art my portion in the land of the living. Lamentations, who thought, you know, lamentations? 324, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. He is my hope. And the Wycliffe translation, Lamentations 3.24 says, My soul, the Lord is my part. Therefore, I shall abide in him. My soul saith, my soul saith, the Lord is my portion, and so I shall wait for him. And then the scripture that is our theme, Luke 10.42 but one thing is necessary. Mary hath chosen the best part, the better part, the portion, the best portion, which shall not be taken away from her. So this is the, the theme of this weekend. Choosing. How many verses said choose? Or I will, my soul will. You know, God's doing his part. We have a choice to make, right? Right? So this is kind of where I want to stop and camp again. Familiar, you heard it last night. You're going to hear it again today, okay? I want to read through Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now, while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village and a woman named Martha. We saw Martha. <laughs> we saw Martha, right? <laughs> Martha received and welcomed him into the house. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening as he was teaching. But Martha, overoccupied, too busy, too distracted, serving. Well, you know, somebody had to do it, right? Somebody had to do it. Came up to, her, to the Lord and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister left me here alone? Suzanne played the part well, <laughs> right? She left me here doing this all by myself. Tell her then to help me, to lend a hand, to do a part along with me. But the Lord replied to her, saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. How many of us are there? How many of us are there anxious, troubled about many things? How many of us let our worry be louder than our worship? How many let our anxiety be louder than our worship? How many of us let our depression overwhelm us so much that we can't worship? Don't be anxious and troubled 
about many things. There's only need of one thing. Not one, only one thing, but of a few things. Mary has chosen the good portion. That which is to her advantage, that which shall not be taken away. Okay. I know Pastor Heidi asked you this last night. Who's a Mary and who's Martha? And I know y'all didn't tell the truth. <laughs> who do you identify with? Are you a Mary? The contemplative one? The humble one who sat at the feet of Jesus? Are you a Martha? Practical one? Hostess with the mostest? You know, busy in the kitchen? Things to be done, so much to be done. You know, Jesus, not just Jesus, those disciples came too. She had a whole bunch to feed, you know? Wow. You know, I tend to run on the Martha side. I've shared with you uh, the women's Bible study several different times uh, earlier this year about my office that I work in. I work with nine different women, nine other women. They're different, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> nine women. <clears throat> and um, we've had a lot going on in our office since last fall. And uh, we just recently moved our office. And, you know, as you get ready for a move, you need to purge and kind of uh, get rid of some things that maybe you had from the last move that you never opened the box. And being the Martha, I started probably in early April. We moved just last Friday. So this is all fresh. There's the other thing that I have to tell you. Whenever Pastor Heidi asks me to share, the Lord gives me just a really fresh experience of what we're going to talk about. <laughs> so this is really fresh last Friday, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so... Uh, I started packing, and we had a storage room, and I went through the files, scanned what needed to be scanned, shred, threw in the shred box what needed to be shredded. You know, we had a supply room, and started packing that all up. And so every day, I'd take a little bit of time, and I would do something, you know. And I had my whole office to pack up as well. For the movers, we had to get everything out of the drawers. You know how it is when you do a move. And... Um, my, my boss's office needed to be packed because she wasn't able to do that. And, and I'd say, you want me to do that now? No, no, I'll do it, I'll do it. Well, it comes to Thursday before we move, and it's, I can't do it. I need to pack it up. So I'm packing it up. And there was maybe one other person in the office that was helping me do this, go through this process. I mean, it was a huge storage room and a huge supply room. And it's like, you know, I just get in there and do it. It's got to be done. Get her done. You know, somebody's got to do it. You know? <laughs> so guess who did it? So then comes moving day. Did a lot of packing on Thursday. Here comes moving day on Friday. The movers are coming at 9 o'clock. And I needed to get uh, some things done before the computers all went down. And, you know, have to get this done in at 6 o'clock in the morning so I could get some work done before the computers went down and still had my desk to pack up. And, and the movers come at 9 o'clock and we're helping move chairs and rolling files and that sort of thing to them so that they could get it out the door. And, and uh, there were six of the girls that went to the new office. The new office was empty. They just went over there and sat. You know, three of us were at the old office, which had to be everything moved out. And, and not all, now, I got to back up because I didn't tell you this. I came up with a color-coded system for the movers, you know. So everybody had a color for their office supplies, and I brought colored little stickers. And they all had a new number to their office. We all had our own office. And, you know, so we kind of did it so this side was yellow, this side was green, this side was pink, this side was orange. Everybody had a number so that everything could go. I thought that was, I thought that was good, right? Yeah, help those movers get that done. We're paying them by the hour, you know? And so I had done all, done all this 
putting these stickers on everything, and then they all started coming off. <laughs> so I had to go back through all the rooms and start pushing all these stickers on there. So moving day comes anyway, and the movers come, and they're gone, and the other girls are over there, and there's three of us at the office kind of helping them move. And then as each room was emptied, I'd get the vacuum, dust the baseboards, vacuum out the room. So vacuuming out 10, 12 rooms in this office we're leaving. And I'm going, okay, Lord. Now, don't look at me like that. You've been there. <laughs> you know, come on. Now, give me a little grace. Okay, so, Lord, my back's hurting, you know. <laughs> vacuuming, vacuuming room after room as the movers take it out. Lord, you know justification for my attitude, right? <laughs> you know, God, I'm the oldest one in this office. I am 20 years, 30 years, 45 years older than some of these other kids. And here I am, Lord, vacuuming this office all by myself, all by myself. You know, not that they were sitting at Jesus' feet. I can tell you they weren't. You didn't know. Had they been sitting at Jesus' feet, I might have given them grace. But that was not the case. I was there with the vacuum. I was there with the little duster, Swiffer, getting the, you know, the baseboards. Scrubbing with my Mr. Clean little pad on the walls. And they were at the office waiting for the movers to bring their desks. And so... Then, then, then comes lunchtime. I know they had pizza over there. I was hungry. I was back at the other office with the other two that were kind of just waiting for the movers to get done while I vacuumed. You know, it's like, really, Lord? <sighs> Get in my car to haul my stuff over there. And the Lord says, what have you been studying on? <laughs> Oh, God, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I know I shouldn't, shouldn't have been looking at what they're doing. Just, just looking at my heart attitude. Sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord. But before we left, I said to one of the other girls, well, I hope they at least unpack the kitchen. Because we had a little kitchen area in both of them, which also had to be packed up, but somebody else did that. One of the other girls did that. So I said... I bet you they unpacked the kitchen because they could. Those boxes went over first. I bet you they set up the reception area because they could because that stuff was all over there. So, sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord. So, drive over to the new office and walk in the front door. Better have a piece of pizza. It's cold, but, you know, they're all sitting there in the chairs. <laughs> have a piece of pizza. Okay. I think I'll go in the kitchen and heat it up in the microwave. Not a box open. Not a box. Not even a paper plate set out for the pizza. I said, Lord, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like, come on. They sat here waiting for the boxes to come and couldn't even open a box in the kitchen and put it in the drawer. And it's like, you know, had to go in the other room and repent. Again, God, Marianne, haven't you been studying on this? Yes, Lord. God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. That was Friday. Guess whose office didn't get put together? Guess who didn't get any work done that day? What was I doing? Unpacking the kitchen, unpacking the storage room, unpacking all the supplies, unpacking my, you know, moving the, the QB thing, setting up my boss's office, go in Saturday, finish setting up my boss's office, because I didn't want her to come in and see all those boxes. You know, I just don't learn it real quick. <laughs> Three days in a row, <laughs> the Lord has to say, Mary Ann, Martha, Martha. <laughs> you know, sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord. I think I got it now. And talked to one of the other gals that was helping me in the kitchen and in the storage room. And 
She says, we gotta let it go. I says, we do. This is it. Vented today with you, you vented with me, we're done. We're done. You know, we're gonna move on from this. When in Monday morning, everything looked so good, everything was put away, all was well, but you know, all weekend. I had to live this, you guys. I had to live it, I had to go before the Lord. I just say, God, I'm sorry. So, I know some of you have been there. I know you've had that hard attitude too. But it's just going before the Lord and letting go of it into his hands and repenting. What's my stinking thinking, my stinking attitude? You know, those girls hmm, could have cared less. But it was between me and God, and I needed to adjust my attitude. So let's go back to the story, okay? What was the difference between Mary and Martha? You know, Mary, we've already talked about this. Absorbed, listening to, meditating on his words. She carried out of herself by his love. She loved him, he loved her. She forgot everything else. Martha, on the other hand, active work, service, not, nothing wrong with serving the Lord. And could only think of how she might perfectly minister to him. And then compared herself to her sister. That's a dangerous thing to do. Don't compare yourself to what God has called somebody else to do. You know, I was comparing myself to them, my age. And grant you, that's truth. They're, they are a lot younger than me. But it doesn't matter, Right? God told me to pack up those things. God told me to clean those rooms. We wanted to be a good witness to the, the owners of the building that we were in, you know? But, but still, in that service, my heart wasn't right. And that's, that's what God's getting at here, I think, with Martha. It wasn't that she was serving him. It was her heart wasn't right. So reflective personality versus an energetic, practical type of person, both loved by God, both loving God, but it was in the service that Mary, Martha's attitude, her heart just wasn't right. And that Mary chose the good portion, that which is to her advantage which wouldn't be taken away from her. Choosing the good portion requires consistently aligning and realigning our hearts with the greatest commandments to love him first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. And here's where I didn't do so well. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the greatest commandments that the Lord has for us. Okay, let's go back to the, the story again of Mary and Martha, and let's dig a little bit into the culture. I love to do that. I love to know what was going on at that time in, in the culture. And as Pastor Heidi shared some of this a little bit last night, Hospitality was a social requirement, especially for the women, especially for the women. Women were to be shunned in public social contact. You, you didn't talk to them. The men didn't talk to, in a social setting, the men didn't talk to the women. No one talked to the women. Maybe the other, the other women would talk softly to one another, but shunned in public social contact. Women were not publicly taught the Torah. Now this wasn't true in Old Testament time, but in the time that Jesus was on the earth, the attitude about women's innate ability to learn the Torah was manifested by having special courts for the women in the second temple and also in the synagogues where they were totally separated from the men. 
couldn't come into the same place where the men, because the men could learn. The men were smarter. You know, that's what they thought. The latter practice continues to the present time today in some Orthodox Jewish communities, synagogues. The idea that women could learn in the same school with men was not even entertained. Not even entertained. They were restricted too from communicating the Torah to their children. Couldn't teach their children about it. That was the, that was the dad's job. Women didn't have any right to bear public witness in any judicial cases that might have been. They were subject to the commandments, but they weren't allowed to give any testimony because of the levity and boldness of their sex. You know? In the public teaching, Jesus never uttered a word of depreciation or humiliation regarding women. They never were objects of cruel jokes or criticisms, not by Jesus. No, not at all. Let me get to my place here. My notes got out of order. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Even in the scriptures, you can see it when Jesus is talking to the woman that was being condemned for adultery. She was, he was teaching that women weren't to be treated as sex objects. In his sermons, at least two, he used examples of women to rebuke the faithless men of the generation, the widow of Zarephath and the men of Nazareth, and then the queen of Sheba and the Pharisees. At least in two parables, Jesus used women in a striking way to illustrate faith and determination. The persistent widow, you remember her? And the woman searching for the lost coin. Jesus never uttered a word that would uh, support the idea of treating women as inferior to men. Jesus always honored women in his teaching, never humiliated them. But you know, even today's culture, there are churches where the women are subjected to very cruel comments at their expense. Jesus didn't do this. Jesus was a radical rabbi. He was a Jewish rabbi, but he was radical. He not only taught, not only in what he taught, but also in how he related to the women in public. Boy, can you just imagine the other rabbis? He's talking to a woman, you know? Jesus displayed a, a truly revolutionary attitude in the sense that he was overthrowing all the wrong social conventions of his day. And the incident in the house of Mary and Martha that we just read provides yet another example of Jesus' practice of, of accepting, moving outside of those accepted nor social norms of the day regarding the instruction of women. They didn't like it. The Pharisees didn't like it. The other rabbis didn't like it. And Jesus still would not condemn a woman for attending to household duties. He would not condemn a woman for desiring to study at his feet. The other rabbis thought the women were intellectually inferior, incapable of study and understanding. But Jesus thought otherwise. Thank God. Thank God, right? And Martha works really hard when she has Jesus come into her house and Mary sits simply at his feet and listens. Both of them were serving the Lord. Yet Mary understood the priority of the now, of the moment. She understood that. And the necessity, not just the opportunity, not just the priority, but the necessity to sit at the feet of Jesus, to abide with him. Watching my time here, I'm running out of time and I have to do a couple of pages over here. <laughs> so lessons we can learn from Mary and Martha. True hospitality with the right heart attitude is always in style. Comparison only breeds anxiety and discontent. Go to the best source first. Martha learned that. You can tell Jesus anything. 
The path to peace begins with one thing. Jesus. Jesus. Distracted from the best by the good? We don't want to go there. Easily stressed and worried? Letting that be louder in our lives, in our worship? We don't want to go there. Busyness is a robber of intimacy in relationships. Not only in our relationship with the Father, but in our relationships in our families, with our husbands, with our children, in our relationships with our church family, if we're too busy. I have a prayer partner that once a week, we used to meet physically, and then COVID, we started doing a phone call once a week to pray. And uh, she tends to be a Martha like me. And one of our prayers is, Lord, don't let us get so task-oriented that we miss the divine appointments you have for us. We want to be available to you. We have to build biblical margins in our life, you guys. What's that? What's a biblical margin? It's a space between our load and our limit. Are we going to overload when we know what our limit is? It's the breathing room we need in our lives. It's the buffer between where we are and the end of our rope. Biblical margins. Your spiritual margin is time spent with God for the purpose of our relationship with him. This space helps us operate in a healthier sense of our call, in a healthier sense of our relationship, in a healthier sense of our productivity for the kingdom. We have to have margins. You know who does those? Who, who sets those? We do. Up to us. We choose those. You make time for what you want. You make time for what your heart is set for. You do. I don't want to hear any excuses about it. I've had them all. I've said them all. You make time for what your heart leads you to and what your heart loves. And we have to have those times. We have to have those buffers. So, when Pastor Heidi uh, shared this verse that she was going to, that we were going to focus on, um, my mind went to this book, the study that I did, oh, probably 40 years ago. It's called Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. Maybe some of you have done it. So I went home and I thought, well, maybe I still have it at home because I tend to keep a lot of my books and studies. And, but not too many years ago, Dale and I emptied out our bookcases and we got rid of hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of books. And uh, I couldn't find it, so I called my prayer partner and said, hey, do you have this, this book? Oh, man, no, let me look. She called me back. No, she didn't have it, so I ordered it. So I spent time in that book, and i reading it, and, and man, I was highlighting, oh, this is good, you know. This is good, i got to share this, i got to share this. Put a sticky note on there, turned the page down on this one, more highlighting over here, went through the whole book. It's not here. I said, God, what do you want to say? God, what do you want to say? So this is from the heart of God, how to have a merry heart and mar the world. Okay, so listen, you've heard it before. I know you have. I don't doubt it at all. But I, I want to ask you, how do you know that God is who he says he is? How do you know? How do you know that God does what he says he'll do? How do you know? How do you know who you are in Christ? How do you know? How do we know who he says we are. How do we know? How do we know truth in a world that's bombarded with lies? How do we protect ourselves from the enemy who roars around like a roaring lion just waiting for us to slip up so he can devour us? How do we settle those things of God deep down in our knower that we know, that we know, 
that we know? How do we live with a merry heart in this Martha world that we live in? Intimacy with God. This is a choice we make. Not just today, tomorrow, I gotta make that choice again. The next day, I have to make that choice again. It takes commitment. Am I gonna commit to that? My choice. It takes intention. And my purpose to spend time with him takes a sacrifice of time. Only 24 hours in a day. I'm a Martha, got to get this done. Am I going to sacrifice the time to have intimacy with the Lord? Takes prioritizing our lives. It's up to me, up to you. God's doing his part, he's going to be there. I got to make a choice. Proverbs 3, 5, and 10, and the passion against us, trust in the Lord completely. Don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, all your heart, all, let me hear you say it, all, all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. You know, sometimes I don't want to sacrifice time. Sometimes I just don't want to do it. I don't want to prioritize. I don't want to make that commitment because it costs me. But you know, if I do, if I commit, if I prioritize, if I sacrifice, it's worth it. It's worth it all. It's worth it all. Matthew 6, 33 to 34 in the Passion. So above all, constantly, constantly, that's just not maybe today, maybe next week, constantly seek God's kingdom, his righteousness, then all these less important, less important things will be given to you. Seek first is defined as seeking in order to find. Seek first. Seek in order to find, to aim at, to strive after. Means to look for, to go after, to search for. God remains available and ready for us all the time. God looks, looks for us to come to him, to worship him at any time. He's available. You know, in Mary and Martha's day, Jesus didn't come to Bethany all the time. In his physical being, in his time on this earth, he wasn't everywhere at one omnipresent as he is today. But, Lord, we have him with us all the time. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to wait for him to come visit us. You know, he is with us all the time. We're never alone. And one of the keys to having a merry heart in a Martha world Excuse me, just a sec. I need a little drink here. Is being in the Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 in the Passion Translation says, every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit. The breath of God. The Holy Spirit, the breath. God's breath gave us life. His Word is his breath, life to us. It will empower you by its instruction. It will empower you by its correction. It will give you strength to take the right direction and lead you into a deeper path of godliness. I want that. Let God breathe into your life. Tap into God's word. Let its power overflow you. It will equip you with wisdom. It will answer your questions. It will give you direction. And it gives you power to overcome every single, every single situation in life. His word contains the very life, essence, energy, and dyna dynamic power of God. His word. 
is powerful. It's a key to me living with a merry heart in this Martha world that I'm in. Determined to choose to study and meditate on the truth because his word is truth. God himself will be coming, pouring out of the Bible into your life every day, in every situation. The word will transform your thinking, renew your vision, force darkness out of your mind. It will blow like a mighty force into every part of your being if you let it, if you spend time in it. If you don't open your Bible, not going to happen. Your choice. You're going to have as much of God as you want. It's your choice. That's kind of hard sometimes. Am I limiting God in my life because of my choices? My choice. I have to skip a whole bunch here. <laughs> Running out of time, I'm sorry. I wanted to share just a little bit of something with you about the word of God, how powerful it is. The last four or five months, our, we've had a, our family's been going through a season of uncertainty. You know, we live in a world of uncertainty. You know what's going around in just our nation, but all over the world. You know the uncertainty that's there, that the lies of the enemy that are coming in. You know what I'm talking about. But when it hits your family, when it hits your home, it's a whole nother ball game. You know, maybe you're in a situation where there's some uncertainty. You don't know what to do. You know, and the voices come. You should do this. What about that? Did you know this? Check into that. All these voices come. Not, not you know, mean voices, but even loving voices, but just don't understand the situation. The uncertainty that's in your life. Like I told you, it's always fresh for me when Pastor Heidi asked me to speak. Because this week, this week, three days ago, we got a bad report. But you know what has sustained us? God's word. You know, through these months, every time we went to the word, and I have a habit of being God's word. Do I always, do I do, do it perfectly? No. Do I dig in as much as I did when I was studying for this? No. But I have a, uh, I have a discipline of getting up and being in God's word. And he has met me time and time and time again in his word. You know, and the word might change daily. It did this week. Dale and I have a habit of uh, doing, walking through, actually we're walking through this year the uh, Sparkling Gems by Rick Renner together. Hit. And I might, I do it in the morning before I wake him up and take his coffee and bagel in the bedroom and then he does it. But when I'm home, we do it together. <laughs> And it's so precious. But we have a habit of when something speaks to us, we write it on an index card. And this week, this is the, the index card following the bad report. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Perfect, absolute peace surround those who, whose imaginations are consumed with you, Lord. They confidently trust in you. Yes, trust in the Lord Yahweh forever and ever. For Yah, the Lord God, is your rock. And as we look at that, we pray that through. God, I thank you that your word says that perfect, absolute peace surrounds me. Surrounds me because my imaginations are consumed with you, God, that I confidently trust in you. I can trust in you because your word is truth. I can trust in you, Yahweh, forever and ever. You know, I don't know what the future holds. We're not through this time of challenge or 
Uncertainty, we have a little more certainty, but not through it. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Amen? Right? And so we have these cards <laughs> up on the, we put them in our bathroom. I, I have a different bathroom for him because I get up so much earlier him, than him. And so he puts it in his bathroom and so says, you see it, brushing your teeth in the morning, brushing your teeth at night, you see it. You see it. And it gives you strength. So the word is so important. So important. The, uh, the next key is prayer. Talk to the creator of the universe, the one whose very breath gave you life. You were made in his image, and he loves you so much. The Hebrew Bible says that prayer is an evolving means of interacting with God, most frequently through spontaneous individual or collective unorganized for petitioning or thanksgiving. Just talking to him. Just talking to him. And I'm not going to go into this much because of time. Pastor Heidi has just done a whole month on prayer. If you haven't heard it, go to the website. Listen to it. It'll minister to you. Prayer is so important. I like to pray the word. It's like these verses when they come. When, when the Lord ministers to me through a word, I pray it back to him. I can't miss it if it's word, right? It's truth. I don't have to go with him crying out. He knows my heart. He knows what we're going through. I don't have to beg him. He's a good God. He loves me. So I go to him with his word. And I go to him in worship. I want my worship to be a whole lot louder than my worry, a whole lot louder than my anxiety, a whole lot louder than the bad report. You know what I mean? Another key is fellowship. I've got to skip clear over here. <laughs> um, but fellowship, not only with God, but with others. In isolation, there's... That's a tool the devil uses to discourage people. We've got to come together. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful. He is reliable. He is trustworthy and ever true to his promises. He can be depended on. And through him, you were called to fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Fellowship with the Father. In Hebrews, so it says, and let us not consider... Let us consider one another to provoke us unto love and good works. We need each other. Not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more faithful as we see the day approaching. We need each other. We need fellowship with one another. Psalms 133.1 in the Amplified. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers, sisters, to dwell together in unity. It's like a precious oil of consecration poured out on the head coming down the beard, even the beard of Aaron, coming down the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. The word, prayer, fellowship. The men are doing a, a book called The Maximized Manhood. And in there, Edwin Cole says, an ounce of obedience is worth more than a ton of prayer. An ounce of obedience to his word is worth more than a ton of prayer. Because if we're walking in obedience to his word, we're in prayer. We're in prayer. Because it, it tells us to pray without ceasing. Our obedience to God, this is a Rick Renner quote, our obedience to God is eternal, nothing more important than doing what God has told you to do. When you stand before Jesus, what will you say when he asks you, did you do what I asked you to do? Or did you get distracted by the cares of life? Did that stop you from fulfilling your assignment? When you are tempted to be sidetracked, when you're tempted to be distracted by the problems of life, find time alone with the Lord. 
we can have a merry heart in a Martha world. If the Lord is, he is with us all the time. But we choose to acknowledge him. We choose to invite him into that moment that we're in. Because where our heart is focused on him, he's right there. He's there anyway. Are we going to acknowledge that in the moment? Are we going to focus on him? Are we going to focus on the eternal? Or are we going to be distracted and busy with life? Maybe it's time that we stop and assess where we're at. Maybe it's time for you. I've had to do some assessments these last several months. Still working on me? Do I have it down perfectly? No. Are there days I'm going to fall in it? Yeah. But God, but God, he's going to give me the strength if I focus in on him. Would you pray with me? Father, you're so good to us. Lord, I pray that for each and every woman here, for me, Lord, that we would learn to cherish, make time to simply sit at your feet, Jesus. Sit in your presence. Lord, I know your presence has been here today. The rain has fallen in this place. Your spirit is moving among your people. Lord, show us how to live a life of integrity. Help us to be women of our word. Teach us how to discipline our steps and invest our time in a way that pleases you, Lord, in a way that honors your plan for our lives. Only you can bring a holy balance to our lives as we surrender. Lord, that's what we gotta do, surrender our agenda. Surrender our priorities to your perfect plan. Lord, we do that right now. In Jesus' name. And I have a declaration before we finish. I confess that the presence of Jesus Christ is felt, felt in every area of my life. I confess that it's felt in every one of your lives. I'm surrendering more and more of me to him. I pray that you will surrender more and more of you to him every day. And as a result, I'm expecting more and more of his presence in my life. More and more. As I give more of myself, as you give more of yourself, he gives more of himself to us. As he's made known to us, then we can make him known to others. I declare this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.